0: Network. Of wrath and brotherhood. Welcome to the Art of War Gaming on the Ear Verm Network. I am Yaga Malark and I am by myself this evening. We actually had a, uh, a Klingon episode that we are going to have for you, and it actually went really well. We had it was a two and a half hour one. Thumbs and I really got into it and we were having a a very good flow and a back and forth, but as this long distance podcasting sometimes does, there was a a little bit of a technical issue, some microphone recording levels, some uh, other clipping issues on my end. Uh, It was just kind of a, a strange data stream to be trying to work with. And so what ended up happening was we didn't necessarily want to re-record because the flow was really good, and I, and I don't think we would have gotten a better take than the one that we got, but the vocals were uh, corrupted enough that it's going to take us a while to make sure that it sounds the way that we want it to sound to be able to put it out on the air. So that episode is going to be put on the back burner for a little bit. We are still going to be working on editing it and uh, getting it to a level that is presentable, to get out to you the listeners. But until then, I wanted to make sure that we got out something to, in the meantime to make sure that you guys knew that we were still thinking about you, still doing work, still uh the show is still going. So, that's what's going on. Sorry about the technical issues this week, but um going forward, we, we should be hopefully sticking to a bi-weekly schedule, is the idea. We're going to be uh, losing our editor for this last book, was Yui. And while their work for us was absolutely awesome, uh, circumstance has taken them away from us. So we wish them uh, luck on future projects. But we're going to be switching editors to myself and my wife. Neither of us have a whole lot of experience with this. I've been watching a lot of... YouTube videos on the matter, uh, to try to educate myself. And my wife knows a little bit about editing on other types of software. So we're hoping to make sure that the the quality doesn't drop too much in the meantime. So we appreciate your patience. We are still going to be putting shows out. Like I said, we're going to be doing it on more of a a biweekly format to make sure that we've got the time to do the research and the editing all within uh, the same area. So we appreciate your, your patience on that and, uh, and moving forward with us. So I imagine that you, much like me, are kind of looking forward to all of this being over. I mean, I don't live in a house with fighters or or gamers of any real stripe. I mean, I, I love my family. They are wonderful people, but they're not into the same things that I am. And so while we've been in this quarantine, it's been kind of hard to get my fix, if you will, for this, this war gaming thing that we're really into. Um, I mean, I'm still doing my forms every day, these 12 shots that I like to do. I'm still doing uh, my wargaming on the Xbox that I've been doing. I'm playing some Planetfall. I picked up Ancestor's Legacy. I've got some Civilization still trying to keep a strategic mind, uh, in this time. And then of course I've got my codexes. And so I'm, I've been sitting here trying to figure out other plans and other ways of using my army that I may not have seen before. So I'm still trying to keep busy, but there's nothing quite like an actual game with an actual person. And I think that's, one of the things that I miss most about this, I mean, being able to podcast with Thumbs Across Town is absolutely wonderful, I, and I miss him for this episode. We're we're doing this episode just me so that I can kind of get a, a feel for editing one uh, vocal stream and then try to edit two people at the same time, uh, not trying to jump too deep uh, on the very first go around. But yeah, there's there's a certain element to Wargaming, that, that community social element that uh, is very much missed right now. So for those of you who are my 40k opponents and future 40k opponents, I'm very much looking forward to sharing a table with you again. And for my Bella Grimm brothers and sisters, I am missing y'all so very much. And I cannot wait to share a field with you and uh, cross swords because yeah, yeah, it's been uh it's been a time and I'm sure I'm not alone here. I'm sure I'm speak for, I, I speak for the majority of us when I say that, uh, you know, we're chomping at the bit to, to get out of here and and do, it. but we're doing what we need to do. And uh, these are strange times, and we're doing what we need to do to survive. So, I applaud you for your efforts and the little bit of madness that you've been embracing to make this happen. I know that there's a little bit of madness creeping into my life, but we will get through this together, as a community, as a species, as a, a global network. We 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 got this, people. So, um, it's just a little bit of time and. Uh, and we'll be outside again, we'll be, or or inside, depending on uh, what your wargaming is. So speaking of wargaming, um, I wanted to... Oh, excuse me while I shift real quick. I wanted to do a quick announcement for our 40k players. There's not going to be a whole lot in this episode to do specifically with military science or 40k. I'm going to be doing some reports. This is a report episode on a unit and a realm within Bellegarth and or Dagger here. So... Um, you guys can still listen the the unit that we're going to be talking about actually was founded on the same principles as the space marines so uh there is a connection there but obviously it doesn't come from the same lore set that's where the familiarity stop because um in what we do in Belgarth it's a little bit less role play and more action based like the names and uh, heraldry do matter and they and they do have a place in the game but they do not matter as much as how well you can swing your sword in in a very real sense So I still encourage you to listen. I still would love you to to stay around and listen. I just wanted to let you know up front, if you were sticking around, being like, when is he going to talk about 40K? Not a whole lot of 40K this episode. So I'm sorry, but if you are in Belegarth or Dagger here, you will recognize the the two organizations I'm speaking of. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll learn something today. But after this, we are going to be going to our transition episode, which is going to be discussing the world of Frederick the Great because that's our next book. We're going to be going into, uh, Frederick Great's instructions for his generals, which is a, a really good book that covers some of the same material that we've already seen in Sun Tzu and Machiavelli, but also goes into some material that we haven't seen yet. So uh, I think it's a really good compendium. Uh, and he, of course, he looks at things in a completely different way than the other two fellas did. So it's, it's absolutely worth looking at. But when we had announced the results for this poll, um, it was actually a couple of days before before the poll was supposed to close. Our recording schedule was slightly off. And by the time that the poll closed, the book by Vegetius, the military institutions of the Romans, had risen to be at the same level as Frederick the Great. And so not wanting to have a runoff or anything like that, what we're intending on doing is Frederick the Great and then Vegetius. And so we've already got our... our arc or story arc for the for the next little bit. So that's what you have to look forward to, a little bit of Prussian military tactics, a little bit of Roman military tactics, and then we're going to open it back up for voting for the next book. But uh, I think I've kind of chatted enough, and uh, you guys are probably ready to find out who has made it onto the reports this week. And so to start us off, we're going to be talking about one of the absolute oldest units in foam fighting, and that is the unit of the Brotherhood of the Falcon. So the information that I'm going to be working with this evening comes to me from War Master Hakan, also president of Bellagarth. He was nice enough to respond to me. He and I are good friends. We go back pretty far and I reached out to him and I know he's a fairly high-ranking member of both of these organizations. So I was hoping that he might give me some information and he obliged. So we're going to be speaking first today about the Brotherhood of the Falcon. And now for any of you who are members of the BOF, as uh, the acronym goes. I am uh, not trying to get any of this information wrong, obviously. If, if I do get anything wrong, I apologize. Uh, please let me know and I will make a correction of it, but this is the information as it was presented to me and as I found on the Belegarth Wiki, which is www.geddon.com. You can find a link to the Brotherhood of the Falcons website as well, where they kind of talk about their involvement in various realms. And if that doesn't give it away enough, um, these guys are a self-described powerhouse of people who get things done. They are very organized and they are very involved in whatever realm they happen to be in. They are one of the oldest units in the entirety of the sport. This unit was founded in 1991. And like I had said before, they were loosely based on uh, principles in the Imperium, specifically Space Marines, in the very beginning. Now, They don't resemble anything like that now. If you speak to most members of the Brotherhood of the Falcon or the two splinter groups that became full units, the EBF and the Dark Angels, uh, most of us wouldn't say that there is that connection between uh, 40K and our current unit. But in the beginning, as legend goes, that was one of the founding principles of of this unit that became such a, a large force within the organization. Um, and it, it spread absolutely everywhere. It started in Der De Marion, but it has since gone uh, to Ohio, Illinois, elsewhere in Tennessee, Michigan, Montana, Idaho, Kansas, California, and as far as Poland. So this is a, a very wide-reaching and, and pervasive unit. They are absolutely involved in a lot of different places. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of places you can go within the larger community that you won't at least hear of the Brotherhood of the Falcon. And they're also one of the largest units in terms of numbers as well. They have 83 active members at the moment, primarily in the eastern United States. Uh, there are quite a few out here in the west, but their their main numbers are out in the east. And they often make it to Chaos Wars and Aukfest as their big ones, with anywhere between 12 and 20 members showing up to a given unit. So Now, I've, I've seen them in higher numbers before when they really turn out, and when they do, oh, buddy... Uh there was there was an Oakfest that I went to several years ago, my very first Oakfest that was I can't remember what exactly was the big event that was happening, but it was a really big deal for the BOF. There was there was some member who had been a part of it for a long period of time or some some massive anniversary or celebration that had brought a lot of the older members out of the old woodwork and had brought a lot of the disparate members together. And so at this Aukfest there was just a truly monumental gathering of Brotherhood of the Falcon. And and this is one of those groups that is very line fighty. Now they have people who can do everything. They've got, of course, flankers and archers and excellent pole arms and everything like that. But when you when you look at them, their bread and butter, their really chief style is right in the center of the line with a very strong uh, sword and shield presence and so when you see a, a large number of uh, Brotherhood of the Falcon lined up across from you on the field you know them by just the the shield wall that exists in front of you with these weapons poking over the top of it and and of course they know how to work together and it, it was absolutely devastating it was a, a really cool event to see so many of them out uh, together especially so close to their heartland over there. And speaking of their members, because they have been around for so long and because they are involved in so many different organizations, they do boast quite a few prominent members. I will probably not name them all here, but they have several who are, who are well known. And if, again, if they're in your area, you likely know one because they're probably either a weapons checker or a herald. That's just, as part of their unit culture is to be involved like that. So Sir Piper is one of the big names that you should know. He is the co-owner of Forged Foam. Um, it's one of the large uh, weapon manufacturing uh, organizations that we have. If if you buy weapons, you have likely heard of Forged Foam. They are one of the oldest organizations. In fact, I think the oldest that uh, is still in operation that markets to to Belagarth and Dagger here, and they have really good weapons that uh, last for quite a long time. And so Piper has has built himself two little empires. Another name you might recognize, and I'm going to speak about him a little bit later as well. So I'm not gonna. Speak too heavily about him right here is Sir Parr, um, and he's a former president of, of Belagarth. Uh, of course, Hakon is the the current president of uh, Belagarth, also a prominent War Master and um, Western member of Belagarth. And then Sir Guts is our current vice president. And so when I'm saying that these guys are involved. They are involved, even at the highest levels of our organization. And so their their history is one that we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but I want to go into a little bit of more detail, in, because the history of the Brotherhood of the Falcon is, is, especially in the beginning, the history of the Triad as a whole. And so the, when I speak of the Triad, I am speaking of the Brotherhood of the Falcon, the Elite Blood Falcons, or EBF, and the Dark Angels, which are the 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 unit that cl- most closely resembles their original space marine chapter at least by name we we don't necessarily resemble them by practice um we're far more hippie-ish than the the dark angels of the 40k imperium but uh, but that that organization of the triad within our individual units i will call uh, a fellow dark angel brother or sister but a a member of the EBF or the BOF is a cousin to me and that's because we have these these roots that stretch back so many years because in the beginning it was just the uh the brotherhood of the falcon and they began in Durdmerian De and they rose to such prominence so quickly because of this this very gritty culture and because of this need to get things done and and rise and select the best members they quickly rose to kind of dominate that early realm and so to avoid um, a monoculture, basically, they they began splitting a little bit. And so initially the EBF kind of took their best fighters and, and the, the Brotherhood of the Falcon became a feeder unit for the EBF and the Dark Angels who were kind of the sneaky flanker type unit at the time. Now, as time went on and the Brotherhood of the Falcon began to spread and accumulate more members and more prestige, you can imagine that being used as a feeder unit or a unit that is whose membership is eventually poached by other units, that's what it's designed to be, um, you can imagine that that didn't really sit well with them anymore because they were they were a powerhouse in of themselves. They had a good membership. And at this point, they had pride. They had pride in what they accomplished. They had pride in, in who they were, and they had pride in what they wanted to to do moving forward. And so at this point, they kind of split off these three different units, they split off from one another and became more distinct. Again, when you're at a lot of events, especially Eastern events, you'll see triad kind of form up together because those old ties run very deeply, even for those of us who weren't a part of that. Like I, I only joined the unit within the last five years. Um, I, I wasn't a part of this history. This is, this is ancient history to me. And yet still, even to this day, that, that culture, that camaraderie continues to bleed over. And so it's, it's very interesting. You can, we can't really talk about one member of the triad and their history without mentioning the other two branches because we are kind of intermingled like that. So the current unit leaders, as things have gone down, uh, we've already spoken about Sir Piper. He is the boss right now. He, he runs things. He is at the very top of the ladder. Uh, he is the sir. And I, I've met Sir Piper and he is, if if you meet him in person, just person to person, He is one of the nicest guys you will meet. He's extremely diplomatic and genteel from what I've seen. And I I don't find that he has that demanding of a presence. Now you go to BOF camp and something needs to get done. And his demeanor changes a little bit. He's, uh, I, I don't know if he actually has a military background, but I would not be surprised because he is a very hard man who drives a very tight ship. And that's to be respected because the people that are recruited to this unit kind of fall into that same line. His right and sometimes left hand is Sir Mick, a man who I've heard quite a bit about, but haven't actually met. And so I don't necessarily want to share a bunch of legends with you today. uh, But suffice to say that this is another storied name that is well spoken of in most circles in Belegarth. The current lieutenants right now, and for the Brotherhood of the Falcon, their lieutenants are people who rule over a certain geographic region. Again, the United States is vast, and they have a lot of members that they need to keep in line and kind of keep on the same page. And so each of these lieutenants rules over a larger geographic area and then kind of reports to Piper and everything is on the same page. You have Nazgar, Parr, Ruckus, and Forest. Now, Ruckus, I want, I want to say something about Ruckus real quick. I know I wasn't going to say anything about legends or myths, but this is a story that I was there for. Um, so I can tell it, uh, I was at a event in Durdemarian De when I was living there. I believe it was, um, a 4th of July event, Independence sleigh, I believe is the in- name of the event, independent sleigh. And Ruckus had made it over from his, his normal realm. And now this is a guy who I had heard a lot about, but I had never met. And I had the chance to fight against him on the field a little bit during this event. And he's, he's a larger man. I don't, I don't mean like unhealthy large. I just mean that nature built him more powerful than most of us and but he uses it gracefully when i when i saw him move around with his flail and large shield it looked like those those weapons that that kit should have weighed half of what it actually did because the man was was a work of art he was he was like a leaf on the wind and not in a you know, get it stabbed through the chest sort of way but in a in a beautiful warrior sort of way. And like, I, I had the, the honor of being able to spar with him for a little bit because, you know, he, he was open to it and I was, I, it was, I don't, th- I, I can't remember if I landed a single hit on the guy. He was, he was amazing. So, um, again, that, that just goes to show you that again, in the beginning, a lot of the good fighters got poached out of the BOF into other units, but they absolutely retain them right now because I mean, this guy, if you've ever had the honor of fighting Sir Ruckus, my goodness, he's 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 on another level with that flail, let me tell you. And so we've been kind of talking about this a little bit, but the general unit culture of the BOF is that they're a big family. They they have a really high emphasis on that family culture, and they are a big family of hard-fighting, whiskey-drinking, hockey hooligans is kind of the way they describe themselves. And and take that for, for, for all the positives that you can, because I love going to BOF camp. It's one of those places that if you're looking to have a good time, that's one of the places that you can likely find it because whether it's the older guys who are full of wisdom uh who are uh, usually willing to share that with you if you are polite and bring whiskey or the younger people who are full of energy and that go get it um like attitude uh it, it's just a really good camp to be in i i really enjoy, have enjoyed it every time i go and, and maybe i'm biased um because i i mean i've got another story for you about these guys and this this community spirit that like they like to bring when I first got to Dirt Marion, and I know I keep mentioning that, but if this is a, a realm in Nashville, Tennessee, which is one of the oldest, uh, realms in the entire sport. And so I arrived there and I don't know anybody. I'm, I'm just this wet behind the ears guy who's, who's from out West. And I have a, a bit of a career behind me out West, but nobody knows me from Adam. There's this great grass sea in the middle of the country that, that a lot of people, don't know what's on the other side. There's units that exist on either side that people don't know about. And so I get there and I'm a nobody because of that, I expected to kind of have a harder time with things. And that wasn't the case of it. When I, when I initially arrived, um, there was a man named Phoenix, who I believe was the current realm leader. And he ran a a group named the Yolms Vikings who were, they were amazing. They, They were a group who they were, they were like a homegrown Dertimerian thing. And their, their whole thing was dedicated to helping out new people. And that was really welcoming. And that was really awesome to be included in. Um, but another group that really helped me out was the Brotherhood of the Falcon. Now, again, I didn't, um, I didn't know these guys. I, like, I, I knew a few of the guys from out, from out West, um, like Par, I had known previously and Hakon and Zulu and some other guys who had come from out West. But again, these guys had no reason, uh, to like me necessarily. But Rick Tom made sure that I got to events for like six months straight. I mean, even after I told him that I didn't think I was going to join the Brotherhood of the Falcon, he said, "Ah, oh, that's cool. I like you. I think you're a good member of the community and I want you to get to events. So, I mean, the only, the only reason he stopped is because he had to start going to events at a different schedule than I did because he was way more involved at that time than I was. And so again, that, that but that's not uncommon that's not uncommon. Like I, I, I found that kind of brotherly demeanor amongst a lot of these guys. And so I, I have a lot of good things to say, as you can probably hear. And so what they, what Hakan says is their plan for the future is that they just want to keep on doing what they're doing. And I don't see any flaw with that. They've been around since 1991 and they're keeping on strong. So black and gray, baby. So while the BOF may have began in Nashville, Tennessee, in de Demerian, they have grown to be a national, albeit international sensation. And in this, they have developed a second home, a second uh, stronghold, if you will, in Idaho, of all places. And while the Realm of Wrath is not completely defined by the Brotherhood of the Falcon, there are other units that are very strong, very prominent, and uh, very noteworthy that come from there. The leadership of Wrath has for a long time been from the Brotherhood of the Falcons, so I feel like this is a good time to transition from talking about them as a larger unit to how they've affected a smaller realm in a completely different part of the community. Now some of you may not be familiar with the realm of Wrath, Though those of us from Stygia absolutely are. They are one of the closest realms geographically to where I started as a fighter. And so when I first started going to events, some of the first people I met were Rathians. And one of the first things I noticed about Rathians was, much like the Brotherhood of the Falcon, they were hardworking, uh, typically reliable, and always driven to become much better fighters. Um, in fact, I, I used to think that they were kind of hoity toity for that reason. Um, I came from a rather hellion group. Of fighters at the time that weren't necessarily into getting better. We were just into like being there and expressing ourselves, man. And so like we'd come up against these tryhards from Wrath and like there was there was almost a negative opinion at the time because of this this culture that I came from. But As I've become more of a a disciplined fighter with more of a mind of improving myself, I've been more impressed by people like those from Wrath. And for other reasons as well. I sing their praises also for some very anecdotal reasons, which I will share for you in a little bit. But let's talk some numbers real quick. Wrath has been around since 2005, when it was founded by Sir Parr. It exists in Boise, Idaho, and is one of the dominant realms in the region. There are a lot of realms in that region that form a group called the Highlands of Chaos. But Wrath is one of the very, very dominant and prominent members. Uh, They have a lot of people too. They have between 50 and 70 people at any given practice, and 20 to 25 of those are non-coms. Now again, people, I I cannot stress enough how important non-coms are to this organization. They're the ones who cook the best food often make the best garb and can make very good weapons. They are people who can focus on things that fighters may not focus on and catch things that fighters may not catch. And so I I like to see a large healthy group of non-coms in Realm because that to me says that the Realm itself is healthy and doing exceptionally well. And so some prominent members that hail from this particular area of the world include Sir Rem, uh, an all-around nice guy. Again, this is me being anecdotal, but Sir Rem is one of the nicest people that you will meet in this sport. If, if he could be our ambassador, to most places, I think a lot of people would think extremely well of us because Sir Rem makes us look good. He's a former vice president, and he started the Peerage Council. Now, for those of you who may not know what that is, Peerage is anybody who is uh, titled. I guess, artificers, war masters. Knights. Um, I think there's some others who are included as well, but, but basically the, the, the folks who are supposed to, to stand for something in the organization, I know sometimes we, we fall short, but the people who are supposed to stand for something in the organization are a part of what is called the peerage. Uh, Sir Rem was the one who got us all sitting down talking to one another about what peerage should be across the board. Now, of course, there's going to be individuality between the different organizations. But this kind of puts us on the same page and gets us thinking about standards and practices. And I think it's a conversation that absolutely needs to be had in the community. And so I I just, I have to say thank you to Sir Rem for starting this, because I think it's extremely important to what we're doing and where we're trying to go and, and what we want these symbols to mean. Because just walking around with a chain on your neck doesn't mean anything at all. If you want being a knight or being a war master to mean something, then that chain has to represent something and it has to be a certain amount of responsibilities that all people try to uphold who wear that chain. And so this kind of starts that conversation. Uh, Sir Parr, who I want to tell a story about in just a minute. Sir Eton, who is a, a prominent Gelf. And Sir Ray, who is our Bell Hype guy. Uh, the Realm of Wrath puts on one event every single year called the Battle of Teutonburg-Wald or Twald. For short, for those of us who don't want to say Teutbergwald every time we're we're talking about Twald, and this is another really fun event. it's it's a toward the end of the season event where people can kind of come and just kind of let off some steam before the cold months uh, take us and it, I mean, it's a lot of fun. They hold an actual court there, which is a bit more role play, but it's a really cool way of presenting awards that feels very authentic. And then uh, it's a, a relatively small field. And so for us Westerners, it's a very rare chance for us to get to practice a little bit of line fighting. And so the Battle of Teutonbergwald, if you haven't been and you live in the, in the Northwest, is one that I highly recommend. Uh, I, I've only been the once, but I intend on going back. So now let's talk some history and some personal anecdotes. Again, uh, the realm was founded in 2005 when Parr moved to Boise. Uh, And they're extremely proud of their new person training program. They're one of the only places that I know of that requires new people to attend a class for one year after they join. This class teaches all sorts of things from the specifics on what the different weapon sizes are and how to use them, uh, to the different rule nuances, to how to be a good community member. I mean, these classes cover a lot of different things and they are taught by a lot of different people. And so it gets people involved, gets people knowledgeable and kind of starts them off right. Uh, this is one of those reasons why when you meet Rathian, they all kind of seem squared away from the very beginning. They are, <laughs> they're, they're trained to be squared away. And Par is largely responsible for this. Now, Par has a very impressive Belagarth career that I could go into. I could, I could discuss the man as he exists within the community but I would rather at this particular moment discuss a personal interaction that I had with him that really shaped my view of, of him as a person, but also wrath as a whole. My buddy Zulu and I were coming back from a a battle for the ring one year. It was a really gnarly winter that year, but the roads were decently clear. So we were going along at the regular speed limit, uh, listening to our music, having a conversation and then suddenly it was white. Now I had, wasn't from this area, but apparently it's quite normal in the area outside of Boise to have these rolling whiteouts in the winter, which are just large, uh, ice fog that move across these, these hills. And again, i I'd, I'd never experienced the phenomena before, but I just looked over at Zulu and said, can you see the road? At that point we hit the rumble strips and we kind of went back over to the other side and flipped, rolled a few times and ended up in a big snowbank. Now, I wasn't a member of the Brotherhood of the Falcon. I wasn't a member of Wrath. Parr and I didn't necessarily know each other that well, but for three days after this, so, so Parr basically came and pulled Zulu and I out of that snowbank uh, and took us to his house and put us up for several days and, and treated us like family. And and when I mean like family, I mean introduced us to his family. We I, I felt like, a member of the household. I felt so welcomed and and so blessed in that particular moment. That's not a word I necessarily use all that much, but I definitely felt blessed in that moment because I uh, that could that situation could have been a lot worse. I was in a, a strange part of the world with not a penny to my name and no vehicle and no means of necessarily getting home. I mean, we did have a, a car that came back from Missoula for us later, um and, and it and it took us kind of the rest of the way, but it was a stressful time for a second. And Parr and his family really did us a solid. And so that really kind of, uh, and I know that's all anecdotal, but I, I that really cemented for me the kind of spirit of wrath. Because when I've seen them at events, that's how they are. They take care of people. They take care of the event. They take care of the the community. And so I, I really can't speak highly enough about them. and And it's not just... Uh, The BOF there, I know I've mentioned them a lot, but they have produced a lot of good fighters who have gone into a lot of very good units because, of course, you've got the Brotherhood of the Falcon, but you've also got the Elite Blood Falcons, the Gelf, the Royals, the Juggernauts, and the Unitless 10, only to name a few. Uh, Again, Wrath is is a, a very diverse realm that produces a lot of very good fighters. Its leaders right now are President HaKan, VP Eton, Secretary Sin, and Head Marshal Ray, with their War, war Council representative being Demi. Um, and they describe themselves as a very tight-knit group. Uh, again, one of these family units that really takes care of people. And they're they're well-known for this one-year fighter class. It is known to produce results. And now exactly how to implement it elsewhere, because Wrath is Wrath, and other places are other places. So if you were to take Wrath's page book and try to put it someplace else, it might not work as well. But trying to look at that uh, that model see what works from it and see how that's going to work for you. your group is an absolutely a good idea because there is no argument that the Wrath system works, especially for Wrath. And so I think there's something to be learned there for all of us. So I hope you've enjoyed these reports on the Brotherhood of the Falcon and the Realm of Wrath. I've definitely enjoyed getting to talk to Hakan about them, learn a little bit more, and then share them with you. If you are a member of the Brotherhood of the Falcon or Wrath, and there was a piece of information that I didn't include in this or that I got wrong, please let me know. Uh, my intention is to get accurate information out onto the air. And uh, like I said, if you this is this is not a closed case. If you've got more information that you think would contribute to this particular line of inquiry, please write the show. We'd absolutely love to hear about it. Um, and we have, actually, we've got a couple of different ways you can do that if you want to. You can always email us at... Um, Art of Wargaming Podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, where we're by that very same tag. We've got a website where you can find all of our episodes and such, TauWarGaming.com. From that same site, I believe you can link over to our other earworm productions like Fried Squirms and General Nerdery, which are also excellent shows that I highly recommend that you check out. Um, our next show that you're going to be hearing is going to be the, uh, kind of the information transition episode for Frederick the Great and for Prussia, uh, as a whole. Uh, and hopefully, uh, actually not hopefully we're going to make it happen. Thumbs is going to be back on that episode because, uh, doing this by myself is much like this whole quarantine rather lonely. So I look forward to hearing him back on the airwaves as I'm sure you're, do, you do. Um, remember if you want to help out the show, please, uh, give us a five-star review, like, repost, share, uh, whatever you can do. Um, but until next time, I think this has been Yaga Malark signing off.